And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Hungarian for goodbye, as we say goodbye not only to Hungary for this year, but to uh, this triple header of races uh, as we head into uh, a one-week break. Uh, I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me, we have Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing good. It's good to be back. Nothing traumatizing happened last week at all, and I'm delighted to be here. (laughs) I don't believe you. (laughs) <laughs> uh but uh, also joining us uh rob zachney how are you rob uh a little miffed that indycar is also having a one-week break while f1 is doing the same and once again it's like how do we get this wrong like why can't we just make sure that there's <laughs> racing every weekend why are we having droughts I, terrible I got, you, coordination. I got you covered later in the show don't worry um Ooh. but first speaking of cars i want i wanted to ask danny about his <laughs> You motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, I had to like hop on the Discord like an hour before um, our, our podcast last week because my car got jacked, guys. My car is somewhere around, I don't know, maybe in Oakland. It could be, maybe it's across the state border at this stage. Who knows? It goes pretty fast. So I, if I was them, I probably would have head for the highways pretty quick. Um, it sucks so much. It was a nightmare. It was we had a bunch of stuff happen here, and the sort of uh, the last thing as part of that was that um, uh, at a certain point, I realized the car had been stolen from outside the house, um, and there wasn't much that could be done about it. So, can you just? Exp- I know we have a lot to get to. I'm really curious. Like, what <laughs> goes through your mind? Like, do you? Did I? Did I really park it there? Was there any like that kind of doubt? Like, where? Not really, because we okay. were we were coming back from something else that had happened. I don't want to get too much into that if I can help it, but. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, it was the sort. It had happened. It was connected to another crime that had happened, basically. And then oh, I was wondering where. I once the car was gone, we kind of instantly were like, "Oh, okay, like this. It's been taken." Like I knew right away that it had been taken. But I thought, I thought actually, what had been worse? I thought they'd lifted it from the house, that they'd broken into the house and gotten a bunch of stuff. So I ran into the house to to basically. F- see if the house is okay so the house is fine and everything we were and i was with my kid and it, so it was just like there was a lot of stuff going on that morning and then i realized that uh, a key was somewhere it shouldn't have been basically and also it just so happened that the address of our house was also there so the people ended up coming back robbing our car and leaving so what <sighs> it took me like five minutes of um adrenaline panic to to like settle down for me to put two and two together and also just make sure that there was no one in my house or anything but nothing like that happened thankfully but yeah unfortunately the only car i've ever owned that i've owned for about six months maybe less i think um is gone but thankfully insurance will uh will pay me out and i won't i won't lose too much out of it premium might go up all those payments i made will will disappear into the ether but um yeah did your car have like no one got hurt (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Now I remember. Um, did your car have like that low jack shit on it? Uh, where like What's the, low jack. So this was a like that was the thing where like cars were like GPS tagged and like if they were stolen, right. uh, you could activate like the low jack system and it would be tracked down. But I don't remember if that really panned out from the standpoint of uh, of like theft prevention or deterrence. Like it seems yeah. like. It seems like that technology has been around for like 20 years and nothing happens. Uh, nothing has happened to like make it viable at deterring uh, car theft. 
Well, in, in typical uh, recent victim of crime form, I now know a lot more about security on cars than I did a week ago, which is perhaps unfortunate. So the next time I get a, a car, once I get a replacement sorted out, um, uh, I'll hopefully be sticking some of that on. But yeah, you're totally right. Like, it, it, By all accounts, it looks like whoever did this was somebody who was used to doing this sort of stuff. And it, there's, there's been like a rise in, in that type of crime recently, as you can imagine with, you know, I, I, I kind of don't really, you know, I don't blame anyone. If someone needs to rob a car, that's probably not what they want to be doing. I don't know. There's always career criminals out there, but um, it looks like a lot of catalytic converters are getting pulled out of people's cars when they're outside their, parked outside their houses even. So there's, there's clearly a market for it. So I imagine like even if we had i guess you can hide a gps or i could have put a kill switch in it or something like that um which but none of that stuff like stops people right right like, especially if they've somehow managed to get the location of the car and the well, key and also you have to make sure somebody <laughs> cares enough to use any of those tools right like that's that's the thing like right. i remember i had a laptop stolen in a tsa line in las vegas like literally Whoa, i my. saw like I realized a second once I was through security that my laptop wasn't in my bag and I knew immediately what had happened. Like the people who'd gone through ahead of me had just taken it. And that so insane. I, I go to the people who were running the TSA checkpoint and was like, Hey, the people who are in front of me, like run the tape. Like they stole my laptop. So the guy rewinds the tape and he's like, yep, they did. Uh, and I was like, okay, so you know who they are. Like, they presented a ticket and ID. Like, you can, like, where are they? Yeah. Like, let's find them. And he was like, yeah, sorry, TSA uh, doesn't deal with stuff like that. Um, oh so gosh. you'll have to file a report with uh, the Las Vegas PD over there. And he points me to a station, like, across the, the terminal. And I was like, but you literally have their names. And he was like, yeah, that's not how the system works. Uh, you have to file a report oh my and uh, take action through there. And so yeah, I go it's, to, it's, yeah, it's like no one gave a it's shit. Awful. It's so, it's, Man. and like, that's the thing. I'm like, I'm bummed. It's, it's super irritating. It rattled me all last week. Like it just made me pissed off and angry. But like the thing that's like really irritating me is like, I went for a run yesterday and do you know how many fucking Ford Mustangs there are in Oakland <laughs> people driving around <laughs> so every time I see one I'm like Ugh! like is that like I have to check the reg plate if it's the same color you know what I mean just to see yeah. it's just it's I'm like that I know that's going to be bugging me forever but you know well and I'm you're, you're past the Maldonado bumper sticker uh, yeah my neom yeah no I never did the I never did the, the vanity plate and I'm, I'm kind of glad now although maybe it would have been easier to find I hope whoever uh, took it treated her well before they tore out the engine or or did whatever they did to it uh yeah but uh, you know like i said healthy everyone's fine um and insurance covered it so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna complain too bad but yeah i don't know be careful where you leave your keys folks <laughs> yeah um well uh if you are new to this podcast welcome uh, if you're new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge uh, and gives the lowdown on how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you want to listen to that, that's uh, episode 96. Um, we don't usually start with crime on this podcast. <laughs> Hopefully uh, we won't again. <laughs> right. Um, the show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons covering racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, uh, primers for other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you'd like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. Uh, what's going on this month, Danny? 
Uh, we have a, a, an all-time high amount of patrons is what's going on, Drew. We have 926 wow. patrons. Oh, Thank boy. You. Thanks so... I know we are we are perilously close to the $1,000... Or sorry, 1,000 patron. Um, we will go on a track day. Um, uh-huh. We're going to have to wait until one of us gets a car. <laughs> well, <laughs> you can rent the cars. <laughs> that's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, uh, but yeah, I appreciate everyone in there. Of course, 33.3% of that goes to Danny's new car fund. So I really appreciate <laughs> it. Um, we will have a, an exclusive patron-only podcast out next week, of course. Um, uh, it is a, a, a gem, actually, a Criterion Collection gem, if you will, picked by Rob Zachney. Rob, what are we watching next week? We are going to watch John Frankenheimer's Grand Prix, uh, which... So a little background, John Frankenheimer, great director, also one of the great directors of car chases, uh, who ever lived. Like, he's a recurring motif in his films. Uh, the guy loved to shoot cars going fast in competition or pursuit with one another. Uh, so, like, Ronin is one of his films that has, like, three nice, like, yes. iconic car chases uh, in it. Bullet, obviously, uh, was sort of legendary in its moment. I think that's Frankenheimer uh, that, that for, for a great car chase. Grand Prix is him shooting, like a documentary, uh, like the F1 cars of the 1966-67 era vintage, and as far as plot goes, it is a like standard melodrama, right? Like there's the hotshot rookie <laughs> American who's like basically the Days of Thunder Cole Trickle character. It's like kind of already <laughs> disgraced, but like one last shot to make his mark in F1. Uh, there's sort of the aging warhorse. Um, there's some kind of British guy, I think, in there who is also doing something. <laughs> I think he's uh, just there to be the symbol of like a declining empire uh, mm. and sort of lost. So the melodrama is whatever. The like shooting of these cars is incredible. Like they put they mounted cameras all over racing cars in this period and raced the shit out of them around like Spa and Monaco awesome. uh, and Monza. And like there's a lot of this footage. The movie's three hours long, and like probably over an hour of that is cars racing. All shot in insane aspect ratios. Uh, So if you care about the history of F1, like there's not a lot of great high quality footage of races from this era, right? Like in-car cameras weren't really a standard, like they weren't a thing. So like Grand Prix is interesting mostly because it gives us a glimpse of an era of racing and a type of car that like from a perspective that you just can't get from documentary sources. Uh, Mm. And it's cool as shit. Awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm when looking you forward see, to it. When you see the footage of like what it looked like racing at Spa, but when they just let people hang out trackside, <laughs> and when like you right. go blazing past someone's like fucking cottage in the Ardan, <laughs> like you like there's sequences of that movie where you look at it and you're like, how was any of this legal? How did anyone allow any of this? Uh, and but, presumably they're doing it with like a massive like film camera <laughs> heavy oh, yeah. ass thing strapped to the side of the. <laughs> wow, that's rad. Yeah, um, so be on the lookout for that, patrons. Uh, Today, however, we will be discussing the uh, race that happened this past weekend at the Hungaro Ring. And again, he is at the Hungaro Ring for the first time. Thanks, Murray. (laughs) Uh, What were you saying, Danny? I was saying, oh, I didn't miss the... I thought I missed last week's podcast. We're in Austria. Great, cool. I didn't even miss it. (laughs) Wait, did I say Austria? 
the je- sorry hungry no okay i fucked it up then oh yeah, okay right <laughs> well as someone who still believes in the dual monarchy let me tell you no i don't <laughs> wait what didn't we have a whole thing about a lot of uh ex-hungarian uh princes driving in well we, we talked about the Habsburg era. Yeah, yeah sorry yeah of course yeah, yeah. yes i mean yes. who could credibly <laughs> yeah it could be like theoretically he is the monarch of both these races um you know if let's say unify again europe's longest lived and shittiest dynasty uh still out there going strong uh well it was uh another another solid race like i you know we had these three back-to-backs um and i think uh we were treated to some some really fine racing after a long long wait um, but there's a lot to get to in this. Yeah. So, um, do you, should I just like try to speed through practice and qualifying then? Yeah, I think so. Um, there's so much to go to, to chat about here. It felt, it, this one was complex. This one felt way more com- complicated to watch because there was so yeah. much like strategy going on and tires and rain. And it was a lot of like plate spinning. For sure. Um, in, let's see, practice, uh, a little bit of running was lost to heavy rain, um, mm. kind of intermittent conditions uh, throughout the whole weekend. Um, Albin and Verstappen were reporting weird handling concerns. The Red Bull actually ended up breaking curfew, uh, to make adjustments to their car. Um, and I guess for the, the uninitiated here, uh, there's a certain like time limit that you're allowed to work on your car and you are allowed to break that curfew twice in one season without receiving a penalty so they actually had to do it this time to to fix some stuff um ghastly also had uh, an engine problem on his honda in practice and then that actually showed up later in qualifying uh he set a time good enough to get through to q3 uh but his engine died after that so he ended up not setting a time but will line up 10th place as a result of that uh eliminated in q1 were magasin kvyat uh grosjean giovinazzi and raikkonen you'll notice i did not mention a williams there first time both williams cars are into q2 since yeah. 2018 yeah um, incredible stuff on high ended up doing pretty well in q2 yeah, the ones eliminated from Q2 were uh, Ricardo and then Russell. So he he qualified 12th. Then we've got Albon still with uh, not only, I guess, those handling issues, um, but uh, some issues with his team putting him out into traffic, even though he was like, hey, maybe next time don't send me out into traffic. And they're like, cool. And then they just did the same thing again. He was like, I told you not to put me out into traffic. Um, yeah, he, he the, the I don't know if it, felt that way to you guys um but in his tone of voice it felt to me like he was like you could hear the red bull pressure yeah uh placed on him it, just in that, that message that spin with hamilton in in the second race is just going to feel worse and his first race i got it, i can't remember it's just going to feel worse and worse the more he sort of underperforms but they had him on a weird strategy this race too it's it, it, something's it's strange we'll probably get to it later yeah uh but just uh, rounding out those Q2 eliminations, Ocon in 14th and Latifi in 15th. Uh, mm. Albon, by the way, here he qualified 13th. Um, he last qualified here 10th place in a Toro Rosso. So it's not the driver. Uh, <laughs> Q3, Verstappen, his teammate, also didn't look that great either. Um, when we have our starting Q3. grid here. Lots of uh, track evolution in Q3. They were all, it was a lot of it was kind of who got out when, especially those that, that last lap. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, Lewis Hamilton on pole by about a tenth over his teammate Valtteri Bottas. Then Lance Stroll and Sergio Perez in third and fourth, uh, the pink Mercedes cars. Um, Sebastian Vettel in fifth, Charles Leclerc in sixth. That's more like it from Ferrari. Uh, Max Verstappen, though, seventh place. Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz in eighth and ninth, and then Pierre Gasly hurt rounding out the top ten. Uh, and then just to reiterate, we got Ricardo, Russell, Albon, Ocon, Latifi in 15th, then Magnussen, Kvyat, uh, Grosjean, Giovinazzi, and Raikkonen. I'm trying to go with my Ted Kravitz pronunciation of Kvyat. He has, it's it's a, it's mm. three syllables, emphasis on the first one, Kvyat. It's a lot, Kvyat. it's easier, and I think it, it actually sounds the most Russian yeah. of anything I've heard, <laughs> so. Are we going um, Daniel or Daniel? I think I'm still going Daniel. Although Daniel, he, he, yeah, he likes right. Danny, doesn't he? He wanted everyone's called Danny, Danny, didn't he? Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, I, I I know I know how he feels. <laughs> kind of a lot to get to, like before the race happened. It's not so it's not yeah. actively raining at the time <laughs> that the race started, uh, but the track was wet, so most drivers were on inters, uh, intermediate tires. Magnussen, the only one on wets. And were you guys watching the uh, the parade wrap, uh, lap as the cars came to the grid? I wasn't watching it when it happened. Oh, okay. But I saw I was. it happened. And I, were, I thought right. it, they were playing a replay of something that happened in <laughs> practice that I missed. But no, it was... So, before the race starts, cars are in the pits. They exit the pits and then do what's called the parade lap to get to the grid. Then, once everybody's good, um, mechanics uh, leave the cars, and then the cars do a formation lap one more time get to the grid and then we start the race on the parade lap the one out of the pits to the grid max verstappen just hits the brakes and slides right into a wall yeah and and the damage looked worse and because uh, his front wing was was banjax and his front left was in the wall and he reversed out yeah. and ever all eyes were on whether i think johnny herbert thought that actually the suspension had broken which is why he went off but it wasn't he just missed the breaking point on a on a cold set of inters um but uh, he had actually he, uh skidded off a little bit prior to that if you watch um oh really f1's onboards on the youtube channel yeah yeah, just having a bit of trouble getting heat in those tires i guess he'd broken the suspension though right like part of it at least yeah yeah yeah, so it wasn't just a front wing change. He does limp back. He actually radios and said, do I go to the pit or the grid? And they said, go to the grid. They bring a new nose cone out there and replace it in his pit box. And then like six mechanics are all like head down, hands around, in and around with, you know, wrenches and stuff on the suspension. This is really cool photo that I'll, I'll, I'll make a note to find here. Um uh, that is just a top-down view of everybody working on. It's really cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, you can see it as he drives over his front wing right after he crashes. The like the top bit of his suspension is like wiggling around. Um, so they have to. I don't know if they replace it or they reattach it or they do. They do something, but manage to get it all repaired with like a minute to spare. It's it's crazy. It's wild, um, and it's amazing that there were, it was something that they were able to fix because you know all the rules about what you're allowed to do and not do to the cars. But apparently, doing that was fine right before the race. Yeah. There was so much panic; it was so strange because even a lot of the stuff just before we start, a lot of the stuff that happened out of qualifying was uh, a lot of the drivers sort of being disappointed where they were 
based on the qualifying tire rules, which totally got thrown out the window because Max was in what? Eighth or seventh or something? Eighth? I think it seventh. was or seventh. So maybe it was the ones under them. Was it uh, Norris was there and Signs maybe? Signs. Yeah. Yeah. So that they were basically complaining that you'd actually be better off being in tenth position with a choice of tires. And Ricardo was also It'd saying 11, like, "Oh, yeah. 11, Sorry. Yeah. Um. But then all that stuff got thrown out the window when they realized it was going to be a damp start because then we're suddenly into wet racing, wet weather rules, um, where they don't necessarily need to run both compounds and everyone's sort of starting on the safer tire. So that was kind of an interesting part of it as well. A lot of strategy got thrown out the window for some of the folks that were in the the back. Right, and it's a weird time to start the race because there was rain prior to it, but the track is kind of, it's drying, but not quite ready for mm. um, dry weather tires or slicks. And it's going to be called. really dry in a couple of laps because all the cars are going to go around and make it dry. <laughs> right, and so then actually on the formation lap, um, when they come back to the grid for the last time, uh, Kvyat uh, asks his team if he can start on slicks. Um, I don't think they we didn't hear uh, his team get back to him but he does not go into the pits the Haas cars do uh, they qualified 18th for Grosjean and 16th for Magnussen um, and they were called in by their team um, yes they put Critically, on they were called in by their team yes yeah, so we'll get to why that's uh, uh, <laughs> critical um, uh, later in the in the in the race but um they put on what medium tires mediums presumably uh, did they yeah. put the hards on don't remember mm. um and <laughs> a consequence of grosjean so they'll actually be starting from uh their pit boxes or mm. from the pit lane rather than on the grid and as a result of that raikkonen like was thrown off by Grosjean not being there. And so he was, he pulled up and then realized what he was doing and stopped. So we actually started out of position. He's like a, a foot outside of his box um, right. when the race starts. So he was handed a five second time penalty, which it's a bummer. Was a bummer. I wonder um, how far behind yeah. he was that he didn't notice two Haas's going into the pits in yeah. front of him. You know what Maybe. I mean? Because presumably they're all in order when they go around on their, on their formation lap. Then no one's allowed to overtake. So. You know, yeah. Raikkonen just brings the car to where, like, he thinks yeah. it's supposed to be. And, <laughs> like, he's just there to go racing. Like, he just was wherever he needs to be. Also, it is tough to, like, I, on replays, like, from the in-cars, I do sometimes have trouble visually separating the um, alphas from... Alphataries and the yeah, hosses. Yeah. Yeah, get out. Yeah, it's a problem. Why did they do that? <laughs> and the Williamses too, actually. Uh, yeah. Kinda. So, like, mm-hmm. from from a certain angle, like the, those those, because you're like you're looking at the back of a car. So basically, like what you're looking to distinguish it is the rear of the rear wing, like what part of it is facing you. So yeah, I can I can actually see it being confusing back there because there's a lot of like understated like base paint, what base white paint liveries uh, back there that yeah maybe he just tuned out of <laughs> he was thinking about having a shit <laughs> oh uh you mean i was having a shit thank you Perfect. thank you yeah. <laughs> uh danny you want to take us through the start here 
Sure, lights out and away we go. Uh, first things, well, if lights out, before lights go out, Valtteri Botas has a sneeze uh, and his car moves a little bit and whoopsie-daisy, <laughs> uh, somebody jumped the start. Um, he got in trouble for this last year when he, he didn't necessarily jump the start, but he was within the window of, like, the improbable jump, which is something they do in uh, sprinting as well in, in, you know, like in athletics, which is if you are... Oh, if right. You are, so fast that a human could not have heard, noticed the lights going out and reacted within this. You know, it's humanly impossible. Then they also consider that a jump start. But I guess a lot of these jump start rules have been totally changed. Um, I'm not sure we, we're getting into this in the news, probably. Uh, or sure, I can we talk can get into it right now. now yeah. Yeah. yeah, so so basically he jumped the start, but he, so he only moved forward a slight bit, stopped, and then when the lights went out properly, which was almost immediately, he went again, had a little bit of trouble with the grip, probably because of what he'd done with the transmission, and then uh, uh, got out slowly and was sort of swamped by the Ferraris. But uh, people were wondering why he didn't get a massive slap on the wrist, because usually they come down pretty fast on that. It's really obvious. They have video evidence of it. But in fact, Sebastian Vettel called out over radio that he had yes. gotten the jump start. <laughs> Um, the the, the is, mayor of F1 is uh, alive and well. Yeah, the mayor of Jump Starts as well. He did it to Valtteri last year too. Right. So it's just, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, it sounds like they use video and um, transponders. Uh, so he says, race director uh, Michael Massey from Autosport saying that uh, the transponder that's fitted to each car is the judgment mechanism. There's a sensor in the road, in the track as well. There's a tolerance within that and as we saw in Japan last year, uh, when Sebastian Vettel did something similar, that is the determining factor. So there was nothing <clears> further <throat> to have a look at. We spoke with the timekeepers immediately, and they reviewed all the data, and that was the end of the matter. Mm. So not enough uh, to move the needle, I guess. Yeah, he actually said after the race that he had seen uh, or been distracted by a light on his steering wheel, and that's what mm. caused him to, to jump. Um, and you can actually see it in uh, the onboard replay. There's oh, like wow. a, it's like his, it's it's the red lights on his, his rev revs. limiter. Yeah. And they actually like they there's like you know five little red lights on his dash, and they go off before the ones <laughs> for everyone else go that's off. So and that's up. when he jumps. It's wild. That's crazy. He's just too good. He's just too fast. Yeah. Uh, wasn't fast enough, sadly, getting out of a. Uh, of his um, star position and got swallowed up, like I said, by the... It was all two-by-twos on this one. Uh, we had Charles and uh, Sebastian behind him, and they basically just sort of swamped him. Um, Hamilton's away, great start, and we have Stroll behind him, who had a decent start too. And Verstappen has also had a, a, a lightning-fast uh, start too. By the time they get to turn two, him and Sebastian Vettel are um, side-by-side, uh, he ends up getting past him, and then Botas, who uh, had been, I think, overtaken by Perez, or at least was fighting with him a little bit, had managed to at least stay in front of him. So by the time we're like halfway through the lap, everyone's in their in their uh, in a row at this stage, and on a track that's you're kind of overtaking on the first couple of turns or the last turn. Um, uh, and we have, I believe, Hamilton, Stroll, Verstappen, is it Vettel, Leclerc, and then. Botas Perez, I think. Okay. Um, quick um, thing, I'll just note here. Those inside starting grid positions were a disaster, like, across the board, though. Um, everyone who's starting on the right-hand side of that grid 
basically had a disaster start. And I don't think it can all be put down to uh, getting balked by Valtteri at the front of the train. So, like, Norris loses six places uh, basically out of the gate. Yeah. Uh, Russell also loses a bunch of positions. Uh, let's see. So, Perez lost three sp- three places. Uh, Norris lost six. Uh, Gasly lost three. And Russell lost four. And mm. I want to say with um, Russell and Norris... Both of them sound like they just have no traction on that side of the grid. Like you, like the lights go out, and you hear their cars both have like really low, almost it almost sounds like anti-stall is kicking in as the car just sort of like slowly lurches off the line. Uh, but yeah, it it sort of seemed like um, in addition to you being set up really unfavorably to position yourselves uh, through that through that first corner uh, and like leading that run down to second, it was clearly better to be on the outside where you had uh, a little more, a little more margin for error. Uh, But it also just seemed like grip on the right-hand side of the grid compromised everyone who was over there. uh, There would have been a lot more rubber. Yeah. Yeah. Because we had a F2 sprint race and feature race had run. And obviously they would have gone down the left side of the start finish route. So there, I wonder how much that played a factor. They all had decent starts, though. Those races were good, too, by the way. Uh, really worth checking out on the YouTube channel or F1 TV. They don't put the... Did they put the full races on? Oh, they have they highlights on the YouTube they channel. They have highlights, but they've extended highlights. Oh, yeah, and there. And then also, they, they are kind of hit and miss with the... Uh, like, the F3 stuff they had was always just highlights, even on F1 TV. And then sometimes they don't have the full... Oh, really? I've watched a couple well. races there. Yeah, but I I have I didn't... Maybe they go up later or something. Maybe I'm They're just really hard to too. find. You have to yeah, like, that's true too. You have to, you have to. It's so stupid. Like support. You have, you have to, to click go into the support into, section. No, you have to click on the 2020 season, then the Hungary race, and then scroll down and go like into practice sessions and click more practice sessions, and only oh, there really? will it give you the full list. There's a. I I'm gonna here. I'm gonna make another note here and put a <laughs> link in the show notes. Somebody found um uh. In the Shift F1 Discord, a I think a, a Reddit thread or a oh, like a, a shared Google them. Doc that's just like links to the videos, which is just so much easier. Uh, so I'll put that in the show notes. Awesome. Um, but yeah, pretty soon the track starts to dry uh, and people start pitting um, around lap three. Uh, and I think this is also a good point to reiterate that if you use intermediate tires or wet tires at any point during the race the rule saying that you have to use two different tire compounds goes out the window. So theoretically, like you could, you know, go from your intermediates to mediums to mediums. Right. Um, I, I don't think that applies to Haas though, because they didn't start the race on their wet weather tires. Interestingly. Uh, okay. But the pits happen. Leclerc and Botas um, pit. Leclerc goes on to softs, which the commentators immediately point out is like we yeah. this is not a good race tire we've seen that in practice and qualifying what well i don't know why they're doing this um and another thing i noted uh, the mercedes team tells botas to use das on uh the pit exit which i thought was to heat up the tires right up his tires yeah yeah uh, vettel had um, a nightmare pit stop oh my god he did yeah he put it on they- the next lap with hamilton and stroll well, I don't know why they didn't uh, release him. It was they were way too conservative. He had the he had the gap. They could have easily put him out. Uh, yeah, so yeah. He, he got kind of caught up in pit traffic. Right. 
Maybe not easily, but like the window was there. Or, or yeah, yeah. But I mean, obviously, like we also saw Latifi uh, later yes. on in that cycle. Like that, I think the same lap actually, though he's coming in significantly later. I had a monster start. Uh, by by the way, Latifi Latifi was yeah. having his best race, but like he got oh. released into uh, traffic. Of signs. Yeah, right in front of signs, and mm-hmm. uh, had his back tire uh, punctured out of the gate, spun so turn sad. one. So like, I do understand why teams would be so cautious around this but yeah it was pretty devastating to vettel he was oh. um three cars was, right yeah three the three cars went by him in terms of position uh he he came in 2.6 seconds ahead of uh, sergio perez when he came out in uh p14 uh he was 3 seconds behind uh perez yeah. after after that stop uh, even though they they pitted at the same time, so like it cost him a position and a ton of uh, track time. It was it was a complete debacle. Uh, Verstappen and Norris, I think, try to avoid a little bit of that traffic um, and come in on lap five, uh, but Norris gets caught up anyway. Verstappen though comes out into second place, um, effectively undercutting Stroll, who had pitted, mm. um, or two laps earlier, I think. Yeah, so would that be yeah. the overcut then? <laughs> there's a there's a lot of of tire notes here. Yeah. You should uh the the if you I think if you have F1 TV or maybe it's just an F1 I think if you have F1 TV you can go to F1's website and view their lap chart for each race mm-hmm. and this one looks crazy. Uh especially the first 5 laps cuz everyone's pitting uh and everyone's passing everybody on that opening lap. It's nuts. Um but after all of those pits happen, the field looks like this. Hamilton in first, then Verstappen, Magnussen, Grosjean, because they didn't need to pit. They're already on slick tires. Uh, then Wild. in fourth place, or fifth place, we have Stroll, followed by Leclerc, Botas, Perez, Vettel, and Albon. And again, only Leclerc is on softs. Everybody else uh, is on mediums. Uh, lap seven. Stroll gets by Grosjean with DRS into turn one. Thankfully, here, Grosjean seemed to see him in his mirrors and uh, did good. not turn into him. And that was a good overtake. Like, you know, Stroll, Stroll's starting to look like a decent driver. Like, I that, mean, that was a, it was a good dive. Yeah, I mean, he, he he's kind of known for making up places uh, mm. in races. He's been bad at, historically at qualifying. Um, yeah. But he, he's made up those places because he's been so far back in, in the field. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of nice to see him start uh, high up the ro- high up the field and right. then also make moves. So mm. We're seeing the houses um, tumble already, though. You kind of wonder where yeah. they're going to end up, right? Because they're, they're on the blower to to, uh, <laughs> to our good friend on the pit wall as well. Gunter is, yeah. uh, uh, is talking to the commentary team and it's kind of like, oh, I wonder if they'll stay in the points, crossing their fingers. Right. Um, lap eight, Botas and Leclerc have a good scrap. It, it's, it's, yeah. I thought it was cool to see these guys battle while there are puddles on the track still. Mm. Uh, cause they're kind of like having to avoid them or they skid around. Uh, um, well, 
Yeah, and you can see how like chaotic that can make it because Botas and Leclerc, uh, like yeah, as lap eight starts, like Botas uh, tries to get around Leclerc at turn one. He goes too deep and ends up like sailing wide on the exit, and Leclerc just cuts back inside. Uh, through turn one and as they're sort of drag racing down to turn two there is that giant puddle on the uh inside line in two and botas just like hits it water everywhere and his pace is gone like he had to basically burn it he had to like take two more laps to uh get that overtake done uh because he'd lost so much ground and and tire performance uh because because of that puddle yeah and and leclerc is already saying that his tires are rubbish so yeah <laughs> um but yeah botas does get down the inside uh of leclerc with drs at turn one on lap 10 uh also lap 10 i thought this was funny uh this is this happened off air but you can see it again on uh the uh, uh onboard or the maybe it's the team radio video on f1's youtube channel uh hamilton is told by his engineer about his gap to verstappen and hamilton goes i thought you said verstappen was out like they told Lewis, Verstappen hit the wall. Don't worry about it. Uh, but then ten laps into the race, you go, wait a minute. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, and also, like Hamilton by this stage is like already getting the blue flags ready. You know what I mean? Like he's he's miles he, ahead. Yeah, he was three seconds ahead at the end of the first lap. Yeah, crazy, just stupid. Like 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 restart it. You've you've clearly put the difficulty too low on this game. Like restart and stick it up a bit. It's just gonna be silly. <laughs> right. Um, Stroll is unable to make it past Magnussen for a few laps, uh, who's mm. in third. Um, but B- Botas easily passes Grosjean uh, and is now chasing Stroll uh, for fourth place. Lap 15, we get a pack of the slow Leclerc, uh, followed by Albon and Vettel. Uh, Albon tries it on Leclerc, um, but uh, doesn't get it done uh, on that particular lap. And I just wanted to point out here something that bugged me. Um, Croft and Brundle both use phrases in this race in regards to Albon. Like they call him like uh, the young driver or like um, they'll say the young driver tries the uh, on the inside of Leclerc or something. It just, I, I don't know if this rubs anybody else the wrong way, but it just feels like two years old. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's he's not the youngest driver. No. So there, it, it feels a little like, well, there's some know. there are some of the drivers well, who have a sort of a, a boyishness to them, right? Like Lando Norris and and well, I but think, he is young. He's twenty. Yeah, well, that's true. I guess. Yeah. 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 I mean, there there's a point where um, I think it was during one of Albon's many attempts at an over overtake through one where he's getting pretty scrappy, and I think Brundle says something. Like, yeah, he's a scrappy little racer, isn't he? Um, and yeah. yeah, no, there's a, there's a fair number of diminutives uh, around him. I don't know. Um, I, I get where you're coming from. I think this is sort of the, um, this is what we tend to define, I think, as like microaggressions where it's stuff like, it's tough to put your finger on it. Like, would you have said that about a like European driver of his age and performance? You know, would it, would it always be like, hey, he's a scrappy little fella. Uh, you know, he's quite a little racer. Would you do yeah. that? Because I don't. I feel like I, I feel like maybe you didn't hear that as much about Verstappen, where in as he was sort of coming up, uh, his age was commented on, but maybe it wasn't uh, quite phrased in those ways. I get where you're coming from. Um, it didn't. 
it didn't raise too many alarm bells for me in the time, but yeah, um, I I can I can see where you're coming from. That being said, I also do think they admire him quite a bit as a as a racer. Um, yeah, like they they I, seem I, to have his back in terms of the narrative where like he's making mistakes. Brundle doesn't seem to buy it. He thinks he's just had bad luck and he's continuing to be yeah. aggressive. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it it could be that I just really like Albon and I'm I'm very sensitive for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. By the way, Alvin hates that car. Um, as he's yeah. as he's trying to get past Leclerc, who has bunched up the field behind him, uh, you hear Alvin saying, "I need power. I need power. You, you give me mm-hmm. power." Um, and I don't know if that means like again, are they kind of screwing him on power settings? Like, like is there just a mismatch between? engine modes they are giving him and like what he wants to do as a driver or is the red bull just kind of down on power in a way that just Mm. continually feels like crap out there because after a point if there's no more power to be given um i don't know like you 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 expect the driver will just get that but if he feels like he's just not getting the performance he should um it again sort of speaks to kind of a mismatch between like driving style and what is being offered to him from the pit wall. Yeah, and they had him on some yeah, sort of different engine strategy too, um, uh, the, the talking yeah. to Warner after it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, tough, tough to tell really what's like, there are occasions sometimes where uh, there'll be teams will be managing some issue or a fear that, you know, by turning mm-hmm. the engine up, something bad will happen. So tough to really tell why they would be doing that, but um, maybe a good chance to point out that um, when he says, give me more power, I think what he really means is give me, um, allow me to use more power. Cause I don't think that the team is not allowed to send any kind of signal to the car from the garage. The driver has to do it. Um, so when he says that he's just, he's asking for permission to crank it up. Um, lap 16 stroll finally does get by Magnuson for third place at turn one. And then Botas pass, passes Magnuson one lap later. Uh, 17 Gasly retires with an engine problem. Um, they tried to put a new Honda engine in that car for this race and it, it did not work. So, um, bummer for him. Not a great weekend. Another, yeah. Uh, Albon gets Leclerc finally on lap 18 for seventh place at turn one. Leclerc is so slow on those soft tires, but there's still, everyone is confused about the weather we keep getting reports of like rain in 10 minutes it's gonna last for five rain in seven minutes like so people i i think ferrari may have i haven't read this but i I just surmise that ferrari is waiting for the rain to dump um everyone just you know scramble around or whatever and then come in for the pits um or for new tires but they just they leave them out there um and in front of sebastian fettel who does get it done with drs one lap later yeah, but it's not fine. before there's a lot of time lost and a lot of like awkward yeah. scrapping uh, between them, and that did seem like another case of like you got to make a call on this, guys. Like whatever the internal politics, like Leclerc needs to get out of the way. He doesn't have anything left yeah. in those tires. I don't understand why he was shutting the door on Vettel, or maybe he didn't know he was there. But it definitely seemed like they're racing against each other, despite being on like really different strategies and Leclerc being really compromised. Um, but I also kind of, this is, this is a race where like the temptations of Monday morning quarterbacking are really dangerous because the thing we know is the rain will never come. 
like not in a meaningful right, sense. Yeah. Like the the yeah. the rain that everyone thinks is going to arrive at some point in this race. It's always like ten laps off. Uh, it never really arrives in any quantity, and so everyone is hedging around. Like, well, there's probably going to be some sort of like sudden shower that's going to cause everyone to come in. And for Ferrari, I I do think like their performance is bad enough that I kind of understand why they buried Leclerc out there, uh, just hoping that the only way we're going to get ahead on this is if we basically cut a pit stop out of our. Uh, right. race strategy that everyone else is going to have and also um, the other the other way that could have happened is if there was a safety car which with the rain with everyone sliding around for the past couple of days and especially with having on austria where we had a, a boatload of them you know it would totally would have changed the the pit strategy and also just a lot of these big deltas that were getting stretched out like hamilton could have been chucked right back on top of uh some of the you know uh, the the folks behind him really quickly yeah so but but that never point. happened either right it's just kind of right like that's that's why this race felt like so much it felt like so much could happen at any stage like the possibility space is so big and that's what made it so exciting even if in event actuality not much did right um ferrari does finally pit him on lap 21 gives up the dream um <laughs> lap 29 uh alban does get by grosjean um again on the inside of it i believe it's turn one um the same place where stroll got grosjean but grosjean this time tries to turn in uh and there's a little contact and somebody loses some carbon fiber grosjean said over the radio he crashed into me oh my god Come on, man. At, at this stage, <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, a machine learning algorithm has made this race because I've seen him do that <laughs> like 50 times. Right. <laughs> also, um, I just I will say, Albin, admittedly, there's only one place you can really get done at this track. Like, yeah. you know, through turn one or, or down through the complex of two and three uh, is where you can sort of lock in a pass. That being said, uh, Albin does have a preferred style of like i am going to cut around the inside of this corner and like box you out that does leave a lot to the other driver's intentions and i think i think it's a it's a fine move like i'm glad he's continuing to be a racy driver in that way but i think grosjean kind of was the case in point where like Boy, that move almost goes wrong just because the guy doesn't see the line or maybe isn't fully aware of your where your position is. Is yeah, totally. It's like why why Vettel's lucky that he never had to scuffle with Maldonado because he likes closing that door. But there's some drivers who are you know some drivers will just barge through the door, and Grosjean is kind of one of those, uh, depending on how his how his weekend is going. <laughs> Uh, lap 32, Leclerc trying to get by Norris. Um, oh, this, this is, is a cool scrap. Yeah. Yeah. To you Rob's point, this is, yeah, to Rob's point about uh, Albon and turn one being one of his, turn two was a Norris special. Like he just uh-huh. loved scooting around that outside, using all that track, uh, all that track shit if you could find it. Uh, yeah, it was super cool. Leclerc got past, I think after turn one, they were pretty close. He got past Norris on the inside of two but Norris actually held firm and by the time they were exiting two and going towards three um which is also a pretty tight apex in its own right um he had gone past him um I think he did it on the next lap though the Claire right yeah it was a really temporary victory 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, great defense from Norris, though. Um, but yeah, Leclerc does a he does the, the the cut back on turn one at the next lap, uh, manages to hang on to the outside of turn two, and then take the place at turn three. But uh, there's that that first time that they clash. It is unbelievable that they don't touch. With like both cars are wiggling on the slick road. Yeah. It's it's nuts. Um, I was having a thought over the weekend after the race where I was thinking, I wonder if this generation of young drivers, because generally they've actually kept out of each other's way over the since we've sort of introduced this, you know, this five pack. Like they've not had that many tussles. We've seen tussles with the older generation and them i wonder do they look back at some of the like stupid incidents that have happened over the past 10 years and go like god you guys are terrible at not touching each other because i I, it's amazing more often than not now when i see one of these two fighting for each other i actually don't think they're going to touch they kind of know what they're doing like they just have that sensibility about them i'll prove them wrong now in the next race in silverson they'll be knocking into each other left right and center but i was I, that that thought passed my mind like i wonder did i did they daydream about some of these drivers and go man vettel really just got tangled with a lot of people in his career or, you know stuff like that <laughs> i'm not gonna do that when i'm an f1 right yeah i don't know maybe maybe not but it's fun and we get years hopefully we'll get years of these two drivers racing each other you know yeah um lap 33 this was off air but uh russell had a good battle with um esteban Ocon. i think that's in the the onboard video on youtube um lap 34 botas pits and goes from medium to medium and rejoins still in fourth and this time is uh, an undercut of stroll who's ahead of him um and again stroll doesn't pit maybe because of the rain or safety car considerations um but because botas is on those new tires Right. Yeah, Botas is then going faster than Stroll is on his old tires. And so when Stroll finally does pit and come comes out of the pits, he's behind Botas. So Botas makes up a place uh, with pit strategy. Into um, the podium. But this is around the time that, uh, yeah, into yeah into third place. Um, but yeah, this is about the time that everyone is now pitting, mostly for hard tires. Uh, Verstappen and Hamilton up at the front both keep positions. Hamilton, though, goes on to mediums on lap uh was this 34-ish um <clears throat> verstappen on the hards botas is behind him then we got stroll Vettel, albon perez magnuson still holding on in eighth place then ricardo in ninth leclerc in 10th and signs in 11th what'd you think of the fan cam in this race you guys it was very funny they showed robert perez who's an arsenal uh, ex-arsenal football player uh, shouting for lewis which i thought was funny um so i like that they showed another uh, celebrity. Who was it? Did you catch that one, Danny? I think I did, but I forget. Who was it? Nico? Again? Oh, Nico yeah. Rosberg. Any everyone's YouTuber favorite YouTuber extraordinaire. <laughs> uh, they actually laughed in a very, like, in a very, isn't Nico so quaint kind of way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He also kept calling it the Jumbotron, which I thought was funny. Oh, it did, did feel very... Um... Like 90s or early 2000s cyberpunk movie thing where yes. it's like, you know what? Th- that was a Demolition Man touch is yes, what it was. Like, totally. Racing yeah. in the world of Demolition Man, <laughs> that is the shit they would do where it's like express your fandom and clips of people like cheering. Uh, very goofy. Not sure I loved it, but also, yeah. yeah. I mean, the stands well, are empty. These, these nightmare times, you know what? Sure. Nico Rosberg would buy that for a dollar. Lap 46, Botas is now into DRS range of Verstappen. Botas on medium tires, Verstappen on hard tires. Um, 
and Verstappen then runs into traffic. Botas, though, still can't close the gap uh, enough to pass, and then um, just a few laps after he had pitted uh, the first time, the second time? I don't know. Uh, he pits again, goes from mediums to hards, uh, trying the undercut again on Verstappen. So Botas rejoins in third again, about 22 seconds behind Verstappen, and now uh, Verstappen has to last until the end of the race because to keep second place, he can't pit because if he pits, he's going to come mm-hmm. out behind Botas. Um, but for Botas to pass Verstappen, he's got to make up those 22 seconds in 20 laps. Um, meanwhile, and this is something else, I don't know, I maybe I'm just like having a, a, a week, but another thing that bugged me here is Hamilton uh, is in first and is keeping a steady 22 seconds ahead of Verstappen. And the commentator commentators mention um, that Hamilton, you know, he's just cruising around. He's got clear air. Doesn't every at this point he's passing back markers? Like he has, he started to lap people a long well, time. Ago. I think I think everyone except for the top five at this stage yeah. has lapped. What? Well, he's not in any way. clearer air than uh, than Verstappen and Botas. I, I think what they, I think what they mean by that is like if you're behind someone for position, then you're in their dirty air for like a long period of time. Whereas if you're if you're coming up against back markers, then you're in their air for a bit, but they have to get out of the way and then you're in clear air again. You know what I mean? You're not in like a pers- uh, protracted dirty air situation, which I think is where I the guess. heat issues come in. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not the 20 seconds you're behind somebody's wake. Right. It's the sort of like four he, laps you're behind someone's wake. Yeah, he doesn't have to ride around inside of a second uh, behind somebody for three laps uh, to get the pass done. He can just sort of breeze past. But uh, yeah, it's... Um, Again, you know, a a thing that would probably be made a little clearer if people deploy, if people showed the circuit map just a little more generously yes, yes. to show like <laughs> this is a prime example. And also, the race between uh, Verstappen and Botas hinges on traffic at a couple points, yeah. and like you see the traffic sort of come and go. But again, it would have been helpful maybe to surface like, okay, well here is. They're this distance from each other, but here who's they're gonna here here is who they have to pick their way past. Um, You'd think AWS would be able to show us that. <laughs> you would think, but uh, garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> this 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 one felt like a real like throwback late nineties race where you just had leaders that were so far ahead, a track where no one can overtake. <laughs> Lots of lots of fast laps getting broken. Like they broke the track record. I think they broke the race record on it. They did the quali in quali, quali anyway. Um, it had a real throwback feeling where you're just waiting for something to happen to make it interesting. Yeah, but like but a it good still one. Kind of had you on tenterhooks. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't boring. I think also we were spoiled in Austria a bit. So coming off those, oh, yeah. it kind of it was different. But yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's it was an old school strategy race, uh, certainly. Mm. Uh, but at the at the same time, like I I think the it was a throwback in another way, which is that once again Verstappen was holding on to a really precarious position. While ostensibly a significantly faster uh, Mercedes yeah. was was chasing him down on uh, fresh tires toward the end of the race, um, yeah. Uh, what, what do you? I'm I'm curious what you all make of because I think we're we're coming up on uh, sort of the last gasps of the Botas Verstappen duel. Um, what did you make of that change where he goes to hards after being so close to Verstappen? Did it, did it strike you all as weird at all, or did you think this was uh, a good call? 
I, yeah, I think that why you go the first. pit needed yeah. to happen. Uh, I don't know why he went to hards and not mediums. With the amount of how many laps were left? Faster. It's like fifteen. Like twenty laps left. Twenty yeah. laps. Yeah. I pretty, think pretty well I, within the medium performance. I think. Yeah. I, I think they were almost betting more against Verstappen than they were for Botas. I think they were expecting Verstappen's tires to fall off faster. And they were almost right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that, the, we'll get to it, but like the last laugh and the last two laps, but the last laugh was like murder she wrote. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> get out of get out of We're going to start waving blue flags for Verstappen at this stage. Uh, so they weren't like, that much I, yeah i felt like it was conservative maybe of them to be like you know what we'll make up this much but in the meantime who knows what'll happen maybe there'll be a bit of wet maybe there'll be a safety car maybe but mostly we think for Sappen's tires will fall off um but nobody yeah, it was so strange nobody seemed to have a read on those mediums yeah nobody, a few more things to get to here to except for Ferrari. uh for uh, the end here uh magnuson in ninth is 10 seconds ahead of leclerc trying to hold on to those points um, signs those right behind Leclerc and gets by him on lap 61th into 10th place uh, and then is 11 seconds to Magnussen um, lap 63 Hamilton's crew comes out into the pit lane with soft tires and then returns to yeah. the garage and then we get some radio Hamilton going what's going on and his engineer goes uh, stand by I'm trying to find out myself uh, apparently they were going to give Hamilton a, a free pit stop because he, he's that far ahead um, to put him on the soft tires to get him a uh, fastest lap. See if they can have him get fastest lap on the soft tires. Um, but they delayed it, I think, because they didn't want the softs to drop off um, too quickly. So instead of lap 63, they bring him in on lap 66. They didn't want to give him the softs at all, mm. right? He was like, no, yeah, get, I want to do a fast them, right? lap. And they were like, it's a bad tire. And he was like, is it though? And <laughs> they had that whole exchange where they're like, it will grain after three laps. And so basically, like, it somewhere along the line, someone's like, fine, we'll give him the tire with three laps left to go, uh, leaving nothing okay. to chance. I think Valtteri is the fastest on the mediums by that stage. So I think they were probably hope, you know, that's uh, Lewis and Valtteri on the same tires. You're You're banking on Lewis every time getting a faster lap, right? So I think they were playing a conservative again. Yeah, I, I forgot to bring this up, but when they when f- everyone did their first pit stops, uh, the Ferrari team called Vettel and Leclerc in and said that they were going on to softs. And Vettel said, we should go to mediums, no? And they really? put him on mediums. Yeah. I thought that was Wild. Yeah. yeah they were, Vettel, maybe they were really that, banking on the, on the rain. I don't know. But you, you have to imagine their strategy was thrown out a bit as well because they, they actually had a good start. So, you know, probably better than they're expecting, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, all right. Last thing I have here, Albon gets by Vettel on lap 67. As time is winding down, Vettel goes wide at turn two. Albon squeezes mm. by into fifth place. Uh, and then we've got the, the final lap. Um, Rob, did you want to take us through this uh, approach to Verstappen of Botas? Um, I mean... My notes aren't too extensive at this point. Like, it is... Like, Verstappen's clearly at the cliff, right? Like, he is beginning to... Uh, <laughs> he's been giving up, like, huge chunks of time, uh, you know, throughout these these closing laps. After a long period where 
Botas wasn't. And I don't know, like, how much you can put that down to traffic. I think that's a, that's kind of a question uh, people are asking. We'll talk about that in the, the overall analysis of the race. But, like, you know, the theory was that Botas was going to run Verstappen down on his fading tires the way Hamilton did, like, literally last year. And uh, that plan seemed to hit a few hitches where, like, Botas just wasn't getting uh the differential he needed for a long time until these closing stages uh but yeah to 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 my eyes the the way it looked is on the the final lap valtteri was on the very like outer edge of drs range right like i mean he was able to make a run and close the gap heading down to turn one where you have the opportunity to pass but like he wasn't close enough to get it done Mm. uh and he just watched like the door close and not that it ever really been open like he just wasn't close enough to make that dive in turn one or contest the next two corners and Verstappen just was able to make the car, uh, you know, wide enough to hold those positions. But to me, it looked like the duel that wasn't, uh, you know, yeah. we've, we've been setting up like, man, they're, you know, it's going to come down to the wire with these two. And it kind of did, but also like once Botas didn't quite get in striking distance by the end there, um, the rest of that lap was just, if Verstappen can keep the, car on the road which we knew he could it was kind of done like Valtteri hadn't the strategy had failed yeah um one or two more laps that would have been good yeah exactly uh also off air Norris passed Ocon on the yet again the outside of turn two uh and Ted Kravitz of Sky uh F1 dubbed him last lap Lando which I think is very apt because I think all three of these races have had thrilling uh, final laps from Lando Norris, so kudos. Also, his uh, uh, Lando between races, his he was having some sort of health issue, right? He had to fly back to England yeah. to figure out like why he was in like agonizing pain uh, while he was yeah. driving. I watched the press conference. Uh, yeah, do you want to say so? That he just there. He was Go for it. not his body wasn't used to the car anymore. Apparently, he got thrown around a bit when he was in uh, practice, I guess, or just over the course of the weekend, and he had like bruising and stuff. Yeah, apparently, I, I, I think I, I saw that he, um, his body changed dimensions because he just he just got too swole over uh, right. the, the, <laughs> the COVID break, um, and his seat didn't fit anymore, and so he right. was just kind of managing that, and that's what caused his, his back issues. But uh, yeah, um, it happens ergonomics. to me all the time. I just get too right? swole, and uh, you know, suddenly I got all these weird ergonomic problems just because, uh, damn, getting this shredded was not good for me. Yeah, you don't want you can't just work on the mirror muscles, everybody, right? Just, yeah, um, on the podium, no robots this time, unfortunately. An actual but, podium, uh, in fact, we, yeah. yeah, we're actually up there. Uh, on on the stage, Peter Bonington Bono, Hamilton's engineer, goes up there to collect the constructors trophy and gets two bottles of champagne in the face. Hamilton expends his own and then picks up Bono's and then squirts it into his face uh, yet again. Um, Verstappen, I thought it was classy uh, after the race, um, thanking his me- mechanics for uh, saving his ass, fixing his yeah, saving the entire that car was undrivable. Five minutes before the race started. Um, Wild. Yeah. 
Uh, also, I thought it was interesting. So after the race, the drivers are required to be weighed with their helmets to make sure that um, their their weight plus the car's weight um, exceeds the minimum weight so that you're not racing with a car that's too light. Uh, he put on his COVID mask and then stepped on the scale. So like one more like a half ounce that's funny that's like the the, the, the the wrench in the pocket trick right yeah <laughs> um that's how i know i'm a formula one nerd when i think about that kind of stuff <laughs> um but it's let's like run UFC down the... when they hold onto the towel do you know about that trick no when they do weigh-ins when ufc fighters are overweight they they strip down out of their under under their underwear or whatever do it naked and then they put a towel up in front and the trick that a lot of uh, fighters do is they'll hold onto the towel and they'll pull themselves up a little bit on it and it'll take off oh like God. a little bit yeah yeah but you can see that's it. not television they cheat all the time it happens all the time that's crazy yeah um but yeah the race result here Lewis Hamilton on top followed by Max Verstappen and Valtteri Bottas rounding out the podium Lance Stroll in fourth followed by Alex Albon. Uh, coming in fifth. Then we've got Sebastian Vettel, Sergio Perez, Daniel Ricciardo. Carlos Sainz moves up to ninth after Kevin Magnussen incurs a penalty post-race, mm. which we'll get to. Uh, he finishes, though, in tenth, still gets a point for Gene Haas and team. Uh, outside the points, we have Charles Leclerc, Daniel Kvyat, uh, or I said Daniel, um, Lando <laughs> Norris, Esteban Ocon, Kimi Raikkonen, Roman Grosjean, Antonio Giovinazzi, George Russell, and Nicholas Latifi. Uh, Pierre Gasly not classified because he went out with that uh, engine problem. Uh, and interestingly, on the Formula One website, it says, the classification of both racing point cars is provisional, subject to the outcome of any decision concerning a protest over the legality from the Renault team, uh, which we talked about right. last week. Yeah. Um, and I guess we'll, we'll get into that uh, a little more in news, but uh, yes, Massive shame to Can see the two of them again at the bottom. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, sad to see them at the bottom. And then also, like, just, like, taking everything we've... If if we were looking at this racing, you know, the, the grid as it is at the end of the race, the results back in March, the top three is not weird, but the order of everyone else is so strange. Like, just seeing mm-hmm. Kimi down there so low, seeing Ricardo in the middle of nowhere, seeing Lando in four, or uh, 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 Norris in fourth, or uh, what's his fucking... I can't even remember his name. Racing Point. My dad owns everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stroll. Stroll? Um, Stroll, sorry, yeah. Stroll in fourth. Like, they're just all over the place, uh, except for the Williams in the top three. There was a quote. Um, Vettel, God, like, in the middle of nowhere. Total Wolf just being maximally, like, catty uh, and just, like, doing donuts uh, in front of the rest of the field talking about how you know it's kind of good that ferrari had that uh surge with their engine uh last year because boy they really made uh, mercedes put their heads down heads down and figure out like how can we get better uh and so it's like we you know ferrari pushed us to get even faster and uh you know obviously their engine isn't as fast as it was and it was just like such a prime like total wolf like we're looking at yet another season where like in terms of constructors and drivers championship like it's a wrap right like we're three races more than in. any season before i think yeah it's, it's done fun. uh 
and you got you you've got wolf out there being like yeah i i love it when people compete with us uh because then we just get even more dominant and they don't um and it was like the most new england patriots thing i've ever heard out of the mercedes <laughs> org um which is saying something and it's and I know I'm, I'm making a big I'm, I'm making a big you know sort of sweeping statement saying that but I, the problem is we've a double header coming up with Silverstone and Silverstone's a lot more like the Hungaroring than it is Austria so I think we're probably going to see Mercedes perform incredibly well there too. Well, uh, Mercedes's dominance is reflected in the standings here, which I have Lewis Hamilton on top now, jumping his teammate Valtteri Bottas. Lewis has sixty three, Valtteri's got fifty eight. Uh, championship points. Max Verstappen is in third with 33, followed by Lando Norris with 26. Alex Albon and Sergio Perez are tied with 22 points in fifth place. Then we've got Charlotte Claire and Lance Stroll tied with 18 in seventh place. Carlos Sainz is in ninth with 15. Sebastian Vettel is in 10th with nine points. Talk about some scrambling Mm. of the field. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo is behind him with eight points. Pierre Gasly's got six. Esteban Ocon with four. Antonio Giovinazzi's got two. Uh, Kvyat and Magnussen with one, tied at 15th place. And then we've got Raikkonen, Latifi, Grosjean, and Russell without points. Team-wise, Mercedes on top with 121. Red Bull is in second now with 55 points. McLaren's close behind in third with 41. Racing Point has 40 uh, Ferrari's in fifth place with 27. Renault is in sixth with 12. Alpha Tauri is in seventh with seven. Alpha Romeo has two points. Gene Hassan team bringing it home with one very uh, coveted point. And Williams still with zero. But it's coming. It's coming, baby. I can feel it. <laughs> um, Let's see. Speaking of Haas, we did want to point out um, that ruling uh the penalty applied to both haas cars this uh i'm quoting here from f1 race director michael massey uh in uh, an article from autosport quote there was a technical directive that came out in 2017 clarifying what communications the team can make to the drivers on the formation lap which relates to article 27.1 of the sporting regulations which is that the driver must drive the car alone and unaided. Uh, Mike sent in an email about this. Uh, thank you, Mike. Yeah. Hopefully this explains everything. Um, Michael cont- uh, Massey continues, part of that summons is that both drivers were called in by their engineers to change tires on the formation lap. Uh, the key being they're called in by their engineers, which is not permitted within that technical directive that was issued at the time um, about what can and can't be said. In essential terms, the only communication that can be made with the driver during the formation lap is to do with safety matters. So if it's an issue of imminent safety, then that communication can take place. Um, so, yeah, what he's saying is you can't do any strategy stuff. You can't say any strategy stuff to your driver um, on the formation lap because you're not yet racing, I, I guess. Uh, what I don't know is could... Uh, could they have just come in of their own volition? It sounds like they could have just come in of their own volition um, well, and pitted. Didn't, didn't, did you say no? Kvyat asked, right? He did. And so he probably could have come in. Whether they would have been ready for him or not right. is, uh, you know, left up in the air. But perhaps if there had been a contingency for that beforehand, like, hey, I, 
it's it has just rained it might be dry out there if it feels like it's going to be okay to start on slicks just come into the pits we'll put some on you yeah like before you even get in the car yeah i bet Haas wishes they had done that now because actually as well they did send different messages to both drivers in a way to try and obfuscate it is the way i read it as well oh, really so they, so they kind of knew they were uh, contravening the 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 letter of the law on on that one so i think they were sort of hedging their bets which completely you know based on where they qualified sure why not yeah hey i mean even if you know you're breaking the rules there uh hey, take so the 10 points. seconds yeah yeah uh another thing we didn't touch on is that um Apparently, this is also from Autosport, FIA technical delegate Joe Bauer notified the race stewards at the Hungaroring uh, before the race had started that Red Bull had used the leaf blowers, usually used to cool the car, to dry Alex Albon's grid slot uh, following some rain. So, obviously, if your grid spot is drier than everybody else at the start, you're going to get more grip, you're going to have an advantage. Um, Autosport goes on to say, Article 22.3 of the regulations reads that, quote, other than by driving on the track, competitors are not permitted to attempt to alter the grip of any part of the track surface. Um, but after meeting with a representative from Red Bull after the race, the stewards found that the team had not actively tried to dry the grid slot as accused. Quote, the stewards reviewed video evidence and came to the conclusion that the competitor did not attempt to alter the grip of the track surface, the FIA bulletin reads. So Albon keeps his fifth place finish uh, and 10 points scored in the final classification yeah lucky that could have been that's a real no-no you're allowed to spin your wheels and put down some rubber and do bits and bobs like that but i wonder if it was just someone with the blower was just idling and not not pointing at where they should have been or something yeah uh all right we mentioned uh the racing point complaint lodged against them uh by renault rob uh you've selected an article here that uh elaborates a little more on what's been going on well it's it's more that uh omar safnauer's had quite enough of this shit uh and <laughs> thinks this is because uh there's there's a couple things one i think the question that set it set him off was somebody asked him what's plan b and he's like there's no plan b our brakes are our brakes and we designed them and they're legal um they are completely legal and there's no merit to it. Like, it's impossible for them to be illegal, I think, was one of the money quotes that, that he gave. And he explained, like, why he feels so strongly about this, which is that the FIA, separate from the marshals, which is a different, like, judiciary body, uh, the FIA did approve whatever uh, for, uh, Racing Point was doing. So here's what he says. We had disclosed it to the FIA, and the FIA were satisfied with what we, that what we had done was absolutely legal. However, that's not how the judicial system works. It's the stewards who have the right and the power to rule. So now we've got to inform the stewards as well. And it just takes a little bit of time, because when the FIA came to us to investigate how we designed and developed the car, including the brake ducts, they came to the factory, spent two days, days there interviewed people looked at all our drawings looked at the design and development process what we did in the t- tunnel and cfd how we got to where we got and they were satisfied with the stewards you can't do that you've got to bring the data to them and then also explain through words on a piece of paper and drawings what you've done it takes a little bit longer so the only reason i'm <laughs> frustrated is i know what we've done and why it's legal and it wasn't a loophole or anything uh 
Which does, like, from that perspective, I didn't realize that Agreed to Watch, this thing had already sort of received kind of prior approval, much as DOS mm-hmm. did, right? Like, teams mm-hmm. consult with the FIA and they're like, is this going to be, is this going to be legit? Uh, I, I need to look more into, like, how the stewards and the FIA can diverge in this, because it kind of sounds like you talk to the FIA, that is who you're supposed to talk to when you have these like design level questions about like legality. That's who you can talk to. The stewards yeah. are this thing that's like post facto comes in and then you are in the politics of like the interteam politics and the season. Uh if this goes against Racing Point, they're in deep shit, right? Like, they, they don't have other breaks they can go to, I guess. Uh, but also having Safnauer run it down like this, it does seem if this level of transparency was put in place with the FIA, it'd be very awkward to come back at this point and say, well, actually, now that Renault is pissed about it, uh, we're going to revisit that decision um especially if as safnauer implies here it sounds like you have to document the case differently to talk to the stewards whereas the fia just sort of looked at your work product like hey what are you doing and you show them the stuff you're already using to design the brakes and it's and it's cool with the stewards it sounds like basically you're doing retrospective documentation and like making a legal case basically uh, whereas with the FIA, you could just show primary documents. I always thought they were one in the same body. I did not mm. realize that the stewards in the FIA could be could ha- rule differently. So yeah, this, this is, is the, this is the part where I'm like, that doesn't seem to that that seems very very messy in a way that's quintessentially F1. The FIA is a, the <laughs> FIA F1 relationship can be confusing to me at times. Like F, the FIA is this international body, but it's not actually the it's not actually the governing body of the sport in a lot of key ways it's weird right yeah okay i guess that makes sense uh speaking of racing point danny yeah <laughs> the ongoing saga of uh yeah i guess a lot's happened since last podcast i guess as well with the rumors of sebastian vettel uh where's he gonna go the uh, musical chairs uh is almost over there's not many chairs left on the table in fact you could argue there's none which is why someone's gotta go and that person could be sergio perez as uh racing point are uh, apparently in talks with Sebastian for 2021. Um, a lot of conversations around Sebastian in relation to this, but uh, obviously with all the press stuff, people were now asking Sergio his opinion of what was going on. I watched the the pre-race press conference and he was being very... The first question that came to him was about such and such, something to do with like just their performance and whatnot. And he said, well, actually, you know, first of all, I just want to make... Uh, a point to say thank you to everyone back at the factory and blah, blah, blah. he was like all oh. i mean he's good at that he's a he's a he is a, a a kind guy but it seemed interesting that he was sort of uh being a little maybe a little bit putting a couple of cherries on top of his usual praise um and then in an interview which uh, we have here from autosport um he's a little bit straightforward about what he thinks would happen if uh if somebody was offered a seat at his team. Uh, Perez stressed this from Autosport. Perez stressed last week that he had a valid contract for next season, but has conceded he would likely uh, be uh, likely to leave should Stroll Sr. opt to sign Vettel uh, to partner his son. I think the choice is obvious if someone has to go, Perez said in an interview at Movie Star Plus F1. Um, I'm a dad. 
I wouldn't kick my son out, but there's not much I can say. There are many rumors around me. For me, nothing. Everything remains the same. I have a contract with the team. Perez revealed last week that he has already been approached by rival F1 squad and teams in other championships about a drive for 2021 in light of the rumors. So, Interesting. yeah, I mean, we, we kind of waxed a little bit about this a couple of weeks back about, you know, would, could 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 Lance be the one because he's under, maybe he's not as good a driver. Or a bit. We talked about it last it, episode too. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm coming around on Stroll a little bit actually. I think he's actually doing pretty well in the car considering. And Perez is actually kind of, not having a great run, actually. Like maybe that's the more shocking part of it is that he's uh kind he's, of a not, he's not up there. Yeah, he has had. And maybe this is part of it, who knows? But um but yeah, obviously the sort of uh you know, if if that contract sign, I don't think it's gonna be any surprise if we see him going somewhere else. And I'm sure there's a lot of teams that would like his skill and would like his money, you know. Uh, we talked about Haas last week, but um, I actually forgot that he had raced with Sauber, which is now Alfa yeah. Romeo. So he's got he's yeah. know some people there. Giovinazzi there. I'm sure Williams would take him if they could take him. Like if he wouldn't want to go there. Giovinazzi's right. not yeah. setting the world on fire. Either. Well, I mean, either is Kimi. Like, well, well that, that car, yeah, that car is a piece of crap. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's yeah, it's that's the thing is both these guys kind of look like shit right now because the car is just bad. So um, it's one of those things where this is kind of the, the crummy part of F1 is your team's near the back of the grid um, and you've been around for a while. People start to say like, well, maybe it's the driver. Um, hey, look, Giovinazzi's got in the right box at the start of the race. <laughs> you know, Gio- Giovinazzi, like, to, to an extent, the, the car being crap he has looked less crap in comparison uh, for a change and like he's even yeah. had some decent moments so like who knows but uh yeah, yeah. I, I think it would be a really tough it'd be a hard come down for perez to make his way there it's just it's like vettel feels like such an iffy proposition at this point i just don't it, like it's a it's a weird move it's it's weird to have like you would be putting vettel in on the strength of a resume uh and you would be keeping the boss's son and that's your team and it's like i mean if there's a team for this era uh it would be the aston martin team uh that they seem to be putting together but yeah it's um it's a weird thing by the way haas you saw that grosjean just said like the elephant in the room like this was last last week we didn't talk about it i don't think Grosjean was like, yeah, you know, the elephant in the room uh, this year is, you know, Haas's future in F1, which everyone knows is a thing, right? Like everyone has talked about it is the elephant in the room. And Gunther Steiner, who cannot like (laughs) sit with anything, he cannot back, he cannot back Grosjean to save his life. Uh, He cannot be anything but kind of a like slightly petty awkward controlling figure had to like run out there and tell say that like Grosjean shouldn't have said that he should you know worry about his own the the elephant in the room is is his car I think or 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 is him not uh not 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 Haas that sounds exactly like something he'd say he's the elephant in the room you know yeah he he said even something like the the elephant the the elephant is not in our room it needs to leave our room and go into his there's like something like as yeah. granular as something God. Like, yeah. but so and then uh, Groshan had to go out there and be like you're right I, I spoke out of turn I shouldn't have, shouldn't have said that and it's like yeah maybe but also everyone knows what the score is I hate I hate this bullshit where it's like 
everyone knows that Gene Haas has been struck by two things in his experience with F1. One, it's crazy expensive. And two, it seems impossible to be competitive with the incumbent teams. And Gene Haas doesn't, like, he has pretty good motorsports programs. Uh, he has been clear about, like, maybe thinking about pulling the plug. So it's it's shitty. Um, yeah. Speaking of pulling the plug, uh, so the panic is setting in at Ferrari. Um, basically, you know, it's clearly not a good car. Uh, being lapped by the Mercedes pretty early in the race is evidence that this is not a great car. They're not even, they're not competing with Racing Point this year. Uh, they're, they're really struggling uh, to put up good fights in the in the top ten positions uh, right now. It's just a it's just a bad car. So what's the issue? Uh, Bonato is you know he, he says basically everything is a problem. He says uh, patience will be required. There's a lot of things they're trying, but he's, he said in one interview, as I said, when you need to improve all the areas because we are lacking speed in all areas it is not something that a simple trick will address or a simple solution or a simple package. It will take time. How long? I do not have the answer yet. But one of the things that Bonato's pretty sure will not be helpful is uh, firing anybody. Uh, you know, as he points out, firing people isn't going to make that car go faster. Um, and so he, he, he finds it, he finds it amusing to read stories that are doing the rounds, uh, about like potential layoffs and changes being in the offing at Ferrari. Um, yeah, this I, is, this is, a, I can say, I can feel the specter of Rizio Rivabene just coming up <laughs> behind him and going like, it's your next. <laughs> Not so easy, is it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a weird thing where Arriba Benny was not popular with the press, but you could argue that by the end of his stint with the team, Ferrari were looking a lot more like Ferrari, um, you know, than they had in previous years. Now, was it partly because they were kind of cheating the fuel regula regulation system? I don't know. Like, I don't know how long they were they were sort of bending engine rules uh, around there. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's this is one of those tough things where I think we're entering the window now where Bonato owns the results of that team, right? Yeah. Like, uh, he admittedly last year was kind of a freebie because, like, he inherited a very late decision to fire a Rivabene uh, and put him in charge of that team. So that really wasn't his direction of the program that we were saying. And you could even argue this year, like, F1 programs are like turning a battleship, right? Like it takes time to change their directory, their their trajectory. Look how long it took to begin sorting out McLaren. On the other hand, I don't know. Um, Is this not his third season? I'm trying to think, when was when was I feel like I thought I thought like... last year was his first in full charge of the team. I thought that was yeah. The I guess you're right. Yeah. Change. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, and, and this it's so strange though because this year I wonder some of these teams I bet are just hoping like he he's probably hoping that there's not many more races left right because he then he can sort of like <laughs> mulligan this whole year you know what I mean like it kind of it disappears and never happened. Yeah, it's I I mean I don't know like do, do you think at this point do you think 
there should be some questions asked of his entire leadership of the team. I I have no idea. I don't know how F one teams work structurally. Um, I want to I want to say maybe because he's I just know him as like a more of a technical guy and not a, a team manager. Um, but I truly don't know. Yeah, I think the I think the the Leclerc project has gone well. I think he had a strong first season. They integrated him well. The Vettel stuff. Uh, obviously hasn't necessarily but also if they're making way for a driver they feel better about then the proof will be in the pudding but the the big one is just it's it's them getting caught on the engine stuff like that's yeah it's it's had such a monumental shift from from their you know challenging especially in the early part of last season to where they are now like that's the thing you know what i mean and it's so, awkward because his background is in the engine development program Right. Uh, and so like to an extent if there's a part of the car that does have his fingerprints like that goes beyond uh the Urubene, uh changeover you know that he was sort of leading that program uh prior to him running the whole team i i, I sort of look at this in in two ways on the one hand the team is in deep trouble but maybe you know if you take away the thing they're doing with the fuel aliasing uh they've they've had they've had a competitive car effectively for like one season uh right where the problem was probably more sebastian vettel than uh than anything else that year but that is a program whose problems significantly predate his leadership of it and there is like probably deep change that needs to happen. Like, you know, I sort of rolled my eyes when that language was bandied around McLaren because it seemed very self-exculpatory where, you know, we got, we got to revamp the entire organization, but they did. And after a few embarrassing years of kind of revamping it, it looks like a pretty good racing team. Uh, And the other, the other part is, I'm starting to get a feel that Bonato's style might just be more normal than we're used to seeing from <laughs> F1 yeah. team principles. Like what? Like, and like this is going to take sh- this is going to take some time. Yeah, right? and like, firing people now would be like just undercutting everything that you did for the last three years. Right, and like, is he defending his own position, or is he trying to send a message to the team internally that, like, look, like this is a bad year, but nobody's jobs are on the line because of it, right? Like, just continue to be creative and thoughtful, and like, do your best. So, I, I think there's a weird thing where F1 team principles, everything in F1 is heightened performance, right? Everyone is a Everyone's sort of larger than life uh, in in some weird ways. Even Steiner in his weird way is so profoundly (laughs) weird that you're like, that guy could only exist in F1. Uh, (laughs) Christian Horner is sort of your polished, uh, you know, Tory Posh, right? Uh, Who, regardless of performance, you will just believe like instinctively, yeah, that guy seems to have his shit together because we are conditioned to think he does and because he's got those those easy manners. Uh, Total Wolf is like a cold-blooded, you know, cyborg. Business machine. Yeah, business machine. Exactly. Bonato might just be an engineer who's running a organization who's dysfunctional identity goes back to its founding and he's the first person we've ever seen to come in 
and try to treat it like a job and not like he is the crown prince of the Ferrari empire, right? Like yeah, the, the fact that the personality ball, thing is yeah, at the window. Yeah. yeah. The fact that he played ball with changing the, the, like the cost cap stuff, um, like being kind of chill about the fact they've got a shitty car where like every other Ferrari director has said stuff at points like this where they're like, this is a betrayal of Italy. Uh, this is, you know, this is this is not a, this is not what I would call a Ferrari. Mm. And Bonato seems to be very different in a weird way. Um, it it sounds a little weird in my ears because it sounds like maybe he's making excuses, but also like he is the sort of person that I would probably value as a boss much more. Yeah, than he, just about it might be just else. that pragmatism sounds weird coming out of Ferrari. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, we are running a little long here, but I didn't want to, uh, skip this <laughs> continuing disaster here of, uh, I mean, the F- hashtag I've been trying to, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, Cut for time. Uh, the, half the drivers, yeah. the hashtag and racism, uh, thing that's plastered everywhere at a formula one race, including on top of the big old step and repeat, uh, behind the podium that it shares with the Aramco logo, which, by the way, is the Saudi Arabian oil conglomerate. Uh, yeah. A country with maybe not the best human rights record. Um, against, I mean, that, against that whole thing is just too. F1 in a nutshell. Yeah. 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 Um, but Hamilton pointed this out um, uh, on his uh, Instagram page, I think, in, in a pretty um succinct and uh and, and direct quote um but I, I before i say that i should explain when i was watching the the pre-show for this uh for the race this weekend there's that scene and maybe you've seen pictures of like all the drivers lined up you usually don't see that if you just like turn on the replay of the race because it's it happens like a few minutes before but that's when they play the national anthem and it's it has become where like the drivers who want to kneel to show their support um, um, you know, in the fight against racism, mm. do that. Uh, Formula One, with their huge hashtag and racism, uh, and we race as one, although that is a convoluted message in itself, um, doesn't has not carved out a specific time to address this. They just they plaster it everywhere, but they don't like highlight the drivers wanting to show that message because what we saw and i retweeted a video of this uh, uh from the f1 twitter or the shift f1 twitter account what we saw is just a bunch of drivers racing to get there because they were late and then a couple of them like you know kneeling and then uh three seconds go by and oh it's time for the an- anthem so everybody stands up and it's just like it was chaos yeah and um, they cut away from it on television and some of the drivers right. didn't know like what and, yeah it's just silly it's what just is, like you don't have a this is the point lewis is trying to make like we don't have a uh this wishy-washy thing if you're gonna do it do it so lewis says on instagram today felt rushed and massively lacked organization and effort which in turn dilutes the message and makes it seem like there was something more important it doesn't matter if you stand or kneel, but we should be showing the world that F1 is united in its commitment to equality and inclusivity. F1 and the FIA need to do more. There's no quick fix for racial inequality, but it is certainly something that we can't just acknowledge once and then move on. We have to stay focused, uh, keep highlighting the problem, and hold those with the power accountable. Yank, yeah, Ted Kravitz so. was uh, going crazy as well on the, the Sky yep. feed. His, and his kudos to him because... Thing. 
uh, that that to me is a, like a breath of fresh air because you would not see Joe Buck saying something like that. Uh, you know, part of the NFL broadcast, like the NFL doesn't own CBS, but CBS broadcasts NFL games, same as Sky broadcasts um, mm. or commentates. I guess it's it's Formula One's video feed, but Sky does the comment. Anyway, it was they, they nice own the package around it. They yeah, they only have yeah. the race part, the pre and post, and everything else is Sky yeah yeah um okay uh f1 fantasy also seeing a big old scramble we've got a one two three four place tie for fifth um yeah starting with let's see here we've got russell's powerpoint support helpline (laughs) uh wake me up before you toto that's good uh four mercs and a meme boy i wonder who that could be my DAS brings all the boys to the yard. Nice. And then in fourth place, we have uh, Alpha Tower Mayo. Third place, sure. Mercedes Nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic. Number number two, Jacked Up Racing. And still number one, Sam Team 2. Sam Team you know, number where, two. Uh, where Sam the innovation lacks in uh, team names, it goes all to the driver decisions so yeah way to go sam um let's take just some emails shall we yeah shift f1 podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails for the cool kids drew scanlon you want to take this first oh one from mitch sure uh, mitch says during broadcasts after a car has spun crofty and martin brundle will often ask the question did he keep the engine running sometimes the car is still running and the driver can rejoin the race and other times the driver hops out and retires despite there not being any damage to the car what makes a car stop running after a spin what does a driver need to do to keep it running during and after a spin i assume this has something to do with anti-stall but i don't really understand that system either any insight you can provide would be appreciated so you've been doing some research i I, i'm probably the worst person to describe this uh i am am an american so i've driven mostly uh automatic transmissions my entire life um but uh to address the first part of the question did he keep the engine running if if your f1 car dies as the driver you do not have a way it's my understanding at least you don't have a way to restart it there is no starter on f1 cars because they cost weight so they have a special device this is a lot easier to see in indy car um the and, pole uh, yeah the big old pole looks like uh <laughs> it looks like a hedge trimmer without the the serrated you know yeah um, totally. and they just like jam it into like by the gearbox and that's the starter so if your engine dies you have no way to restart it um, so you need to keep the engine going by, um, you know, fe- feeding it gas, um, and in a, in the correct gear. So if you're, if you're in like a high gear, say, and you spin off the track and you don't downshift, the engine has too much to do. You're in way high a gear and your car is stopped. You can't, uh, your engine won't be able to spin the cars. That's why you start in a low gear and go to a high one. Um, you can, I guess, take the clutch out. Clutches work differently in F1 cars than they do in, mm. in, in road cars. Um, but an anti-stall is supposed to alleviate this to a degree because um, to prevent... Oh, uh, boy. To, if F1 cars will stall if they go below a certain RPM. And so there's an anti-stall system in there that I think will feed it enough gas so that it doesn't stall. 
Um, Take care. So that's what the anti-stall system is. Yeah, and if anyone's driven a manual and they like, you know, they stop at a red light and then forget to shift to one when they go again, and they, you know, go in second gear and then you cut out, you know, it's because right, it's too much gas going through. Yeah, right, not enough power in the engine to overcome the the torque that is uh, Mm. being applied to the the gearage. I hope that explains it i'm i'm probably wrong i think that's something really i said nice and that's okay, only thanks. one reason why the car mightn't be able to start you know there's lots of other things yeah that could have happened it could be damaged to something yeah. yeah you don't know about or yeah yeah brakes could have gone a lot of times that's how we see brakes are gone and then we realize after the fact or you know some other problem mm-hmm. yeah thank you very much drew for your technical insight mm-hmm. uh rob we're going to go to you next to talk about our friends at racing point a little bit more this one's from john Oh, I I hate this because it makes a good argument. Is Lance (laughs) actually the right choice? Ooh. Is Lance Stroll actually the better bet for Racing Point heading into the switch to Aston Martin next year and with the potential of Sebastian Vettel joining the team? I think on face value, this maybe seems more clear-cut than it actually is. The first round seems like an obvious outlier, with technical issues causing a DNF for Stroll and disruptions all weekend for everyone with a Merck engine. But I think it's fair to point out that Perez got fairly handily beaten to the line by a dog-eared Ferrari. Bad racing point pit strategy. Bad racing point pit strategy aside, and tacked on a pit lane infraction of his own to drop even further down. The Styrian GP saw Sergio struggle more than anyone else in the field, and while the car certainly wasn't good in the wet, it's hard to say it was worthy of a Q1 exit when Lance dragged it to P13. In the race, Sergio once again threw away places, this time beginning over eager trying to pass Albin, and ended up surfing his wing around the track for the last two laps. Finally, this week, we have Sergio floundering around in the midfield, unable to make much of a charge on anyone, again, a ways off the back of a struggling Ferrari that he qualified in front of, while Lance spends a good chunk of the race in the top three until Botas finally gobbles him up in the best car in the field. Is Lance the right choice if they sign Vettel? Uh, yeah, maybe. I think (laughs) body of work-wise, um... I still feel like Perez has probably amassed the better record, but even that's even that's iffy because I always felt like when it came down between him and Ocon, I felt like then the shoe was on their other foot, and he had the um, he had the sponsorship money, and Ocon didn't, and they got into they got into it with a lot a lot with each other, but you could have I, I saw a lot of that, and I thought. Sometimes it looked like Perez's response to being challenged by Ocon was to rage rage out and like yeah. screw up on track more than it was to just win cleanly. Um and so my my feelings there did soften towards Sergio like last year because I think he he did appear to be like you know old reliable for that team in in some ways and Stroll seemed so like to continue to be undistinguished following an undistinguished turn at uh, Williams. Not that everyone with the apparent exception of George Russell uh, has distinguished themselves there. But yeah, I, I think at this point it is probably worth evaluating those two more on the merits of what they've done for the team lately. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, there's there's probably a case for making this move. Um, I think the the person I have the biggest questions about right now in this equation is probably Vettel, right? Like, yeah. it's, that's the that's the thing is like it feels like this team is going to fall in like fall backwards into a downgrade uh, just because a champion is on the market. 
Um, but I think this this does make a good case of Sergio in some of these races might as well not even be there. Um, and given the performance that appears to be in that car, uh, it's it's arguable that maybe he is detracting uh, from team performance in a way that Lance isn't. So, yeah, um, this might be the year that Lance Stroll, like, wins on the merits uh, in terms of, you know, deserving a spot in F1. Yeah, it's a small data pool, but it certainly looks that way at the moment. I'm pretty excited to watch them for the rest of this, however long the season is. For sure. Uh, all right, that's it for emails. Um, you can also hit us up on Twitter at ShiftF1 Podcast. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That's at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world? Race around the world. Yeah. We've got MotoGP. It's back. Uh, I. This is not a spoiler. I watched the race, the MotoGP race uh, on Sunday. How was it? I do not understand Mark they have Marquez. Less wheels. Oh, okay. The he, the man is an alien. He, I don't think he's of this earth. No spoilers. Uh, he no spoilers. Abducted the rest of the drivers <laughs> in a spaceship. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, yes, it's Again. nice. It's nice that all, all motorsports are are coming back here because uh, boy, I've I've missed I've missed it all. Uh, but they I are missed, they're I racing. Missed you say them. Yeah. Uh, they're racing again in, in Jerez, where they were uh, last Sunday as well. España. Um, and we've got a whole string of the NASCAR family. Um, oh, boy. I'm going to start saying the Xfinity series here. It's like they're... My understanding is it's like the Formula 2 of uh, of NASCAR. Hmm. Um, I just... I like saying weird NASCAR uh, race names, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to loop that one in as well. Um, yeah. But first, we got Gander Mountain Trucks. Everybody, I think, is at the Kansas Speedway in Kansas City, Kansas, for the wow. Kansas Speedy. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Kansas, Kansas Speedway 200. That's the name of the truck race. The Xfinity Series race is called the Kansas Lottery 250. Wow. That's on Saturday. And we got NASCAR. Where are we at? Are we in uh, Kansas? We're also in Kansas. Kansas Are we still City, on the Kansas, Kansas side? We're not. We're not going to the Missouri side. No, not Missouri. Certainly okay. not Missouri. Uh, but we are racing on Thursday, the most unholy of days. Uh, in the Super Start Batteries 400, presented by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Wow, a twofer. Oh yeah, beautiful. Um. And that's all the racing there is. I did see, however, they have released the uh, <laughs> the three tracks that Formula E will be racing in Berlin. And they're just variants of the same track. Six Great. races in like nine days or something on three variants of one Wonderful. track. How many yeah. of them go through the Brandenburg Gate? Uh, I think none of them because it's at the Tempelhof Airport. That's a shame. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it's a long course. Could be. Yeah. Maybe it's just a, one of them is just a, a straight line. It's like a rally <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. yeah. stage. <laughs> point yeah. to point. Oh, boy. Oh, I forgot to mention, um, I am this much closer to being an F1 driver because everyone, Whoa. I am COVID free. 
Congratulations. Thank you. The jury, the jury is still out on me and Rob. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, I have a, a minor uh, operation this week on my shoulder, so the, they had to uh, insist that I get COVID. And in fact, I could not get COVID tested unless I had uh, a... Re- you can't just go in without symptoms and get tested. Here. Oh, right. Yeah, How was the test? Did they like stick privacy. something into your brain? So they've changed it. Okay. Um, at least this is what Up they told me. Suppository. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They don't uh, s- uh, stick the swab all the way to your brain anymore. It's not okay. the whole like nine inches or whatever. It's only like you know four or something. So it 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 felt like you know how your nose stings when you get water up it. Uh, yeah. Like in a pool or something. That's kind of what it felt like. I made some Just weird not like. Used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is was it not long? Bad at all. How long is it there? How long is what the swab q-tip up your nose yeah oh how long does it take yeah like the actual like in and out part of your nose uh like the whole both nostrils were done in like five seconds oh cool all right yeah it was was really quick that seems that seems reasonable yeah not not bad at all um yeah i don't know i just wanted to bring that up because it was weird and fun um anything else uh, covid19 i don't think rob do you think you've covid19 uh no but we've had uh I haven't been tested, but my partner had to be for uh, some work stuff. And yeah, so I figure if, you know, I have a canary, basically. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, good point. Fair enough. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah. If you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shift F1. So but that's it for us. We so are. Close. And we, so if, you haven't checked the patreon recently um if we get 1000 patrons we have promised uh we will you know covid permitting um get together on a track somewhere and try to lay down some times in real life and uh see who comes out superior uh yeah. and and of course film that somehow um a lot of logistics to be figured out but uh, yeah, we never Quarantine. thought we would hit 1000 so <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah we didn't say when we were going to do it but would true. They, uh, if we if we do hit it, then we will sign up to do that. Yeah. Would they let us drive cars at Watkins Glen? Can't, what, what, oh, how much boy, for track yeah. day at Watkins Glen? How far is it? How far is Watkins Glen from here? We're not that far from Sonoma. That's true. Well, Rob's yeah. pretty yeah. far from Sonoma. Yeah, but oh, sorry, yeah. it's in your backyards. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Sonoma Motor Speedway is like two hours from here, maybe. An hour? Hour? Yeah, hour and change. Yeah, there. Watkins Glen is... Oh, Watkins Glen is in New York State, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, is, yeah there, okay. is there one in, like, uh, the Rocky Mountains that we could meet halfway? <laughs> yeah. Or let's Denver. meet at the Kansas Speedway. Kansas, yeah, they got that's stuff pretty going good. on there. We can go to Olathe and hang out with uh, Dan Reichert's family. It'd be great. <laughs> that's right. I haven't been there since Thanksgiving three years ago. Four, six years ago? God, I have no idea. We have to end this podcast. Uh, yeah, okay. That's it for us, everyone. <laughs> Enjoy your week off. Have a good race weekend, and we'll see you all next week. Yeah.